Hello, lovely listeners. Welcome back to another episode of Art and Other Stories. It's Jacqueline again, and today I'm excited to be kicking off our New York series. With us, we have Amanda Surami. Amanda is a New York City-based filmmaker, photographer, editor, and archivist. She's a graduate of the School of Visual Arts and a member of the American Photography Archives Group. She's a teacher's assistant at the School of Visual Arts and an editor at Bare-Breasted ABC. Welcome, Amanda, to the show. Hey, everyone. I'm Amanda Surami, and I'm currently based in New York. Today, I'm going to go ahead and share a story that happened a few years back when I inherited my Polish family's photo album from my aunt. It was my second year studying at the School of Visual Arts in the BFA photo and video department, and I just finished a series I made about me and my grandfather called In Memoriam, Jerzy Dulekanski from 1942 to 2017. So after I started digging, digging a little deeper, I noticed, you know, that these are my ancestors and there must be a trace left behind. So I went on to ask more questions and I became curious where they grew up and so on. So after I started wondering, um, sorry, Jacqueline, hold on. No worries. After I started wondering where they grew up in, I figured, you know, maybe I could just take a trip to Poland and go on a search. Plus, I was studying at the School of Visual Arts, so I figured maybe I could go ahead and apply to their study abroad program in Prague. The art school was called the Academy of Arts, Architecture, and Design, and luckily enough, after I applied, I was accepted and I received a stipend, which really helped me out with the money it took me to travel and live there. So before you know it, it's February of 2017, and I'm on a plane heading over there. Um, shaken in my chair, wondering to myself, you know, what in the world did I get myself into? There's no chance I'm actually going to find any of my family, but I figure there's nothing else to lose. So I go ahead and go to Warsaw. I take a trip to my grandpa's city called Oshlawinka, and little did I know that his his village was called Horomani, but it was 20 miles away from Oshlawinka. So I don't know a soul there, and I'm kind of only in a position to leave and go back to Warsaw. But then I came across this woman with such striking green eyes, and I stop in my tracks and turn around. For some odd reason, I just had such a good feeling about her, and I went ahead to introduce myself and ask her if she maybe knew of my family's last name. Before you know it, <laughs> she asked me if I want to ride to the village to just see the village and, you know, maybe ask if anyone knew about my family. I mean, I just couldn't even believe it. It felt so surreal. I was beyond nervous and excited, but I had Dorota who kind of understood my broken Polish and she asked everyone in the street if they maybe knew about my family and which house they used to live in. <laughs> so, she ended up going ahead to knock on every door in the village with me until we found a clue. Um, so then we ended up at the first house that we started and this man happened to know a man named Spishek who used to own the house for the summertime. He called him up and asked if he knew anything, but Spishek said no. So I ended up going back to Warsaw and I thanked Dorota and her family for helping me. 
The next day rolls around and a woman named Anna calls me. She says, hi, Amanda. I think you're in my family's village yesterday. Spishek, he's my uncle, and he told me that someone from the States is looking for a family with our last name. Are you in Warsaw? Would you want to just meet for a coffee? I was just like, okay, yeah, sure, why not? How does five o'clock sound? So I go ahead and I meet her, and we just automatically resemble each other. We're the same age, the same height. We have same color hair, same color eyes. And we look across the family tree and figure out that we're actually third cousins and that Spishek is my second cousin. I just couldn't even believe it. So she went ahead and brought me back to her house to meet Spishek and the rest of the family. I told them about the album that I inherited and we went through who's who in the photos. So the day goes on and I asked them if they wouldn't mind taking some photos together. And when I went back to Prague, I looked through the photos and I thought to myself, what if I created my own version of the family album? And what if I used similar analog methods like they did in 1900, not 1900s, so it would resemble an old album? Maybe it would be nostalgic. But, you know, although me and them got along really well, there's a lot of cultural differences. And I was coming out around that time. In Poland, um, being gay is very discriminated against because of how many people believe in Catholicism. Over 90% of the population in Poland is Catholic. So you can fill in the dots about what was going on inside of my head. But I figured, you know, why not? Again, there's nothing left to lose. And I didn't want to hide myself in my work. I wanted to translate what it felt like to include myself in the relationships with them and include the relationships I had with partners I met in Prague and the psychological and emotional experience it was for me. So thanks so much for, you know, for sharing that story. It's, um, you know, I was taking kind of notes down while you were, while you were speaking. I've been so fascinated that, um, you know, you, you took this trip to Warsaw, found your second cousin, didn't know it was your second cousin, found your third cousin, you know, figured out this, you know, this whole family lineage, took photos and then developed them at Prague at school. Mm -hmm. Um, And you had mentioned that you decided to do analog instead of digital to replicate kind of the, the old style. Um, Can you talk a little bit more about that kind of like that desire to go back to the more traditional ways of developing photos? Was it just an aversion you had towards digital or was it more, um, to capture that kind of feeling? Yeah, I was so interested in how nostalgic it felt to look at these analog photos and, you know, to be put in that kind of time capsule and to notice this kind of dreamlike experimental way they had versus the digital, um, almost per- perfectionist way that we use today. Right. And the one person I really thought of was the Polish artist Anita Bartos, who also went to SVA and used analog in her work. Mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit about um, her influence or her kind of um, practice and how it's kind of shaped yours while you were developing um, these photos that you took at Warsaw? Yeah, um, I don't know if anyone here has seen her work, Family Portrait and Spider Monkeys, but both of the works, they're just so charged with dialogue about 
how our relationships with people can be extremely, extremely different. And, you know, she explores what it's like to be intimate, to show the public private moments. And I think for me in that moment, I really wanted my work to become autobiographical like that and also psychological and private. You talked a little bit about um, kind of the cultural differences, um, especially because of uh, kind of religion and religious reasons um, in Eastern Europe. Um, Mm -hmm. And I just kind of wanna like tie that back into the art practice, but also um, Anita Bartosz as, as an influential um, figure in your life and, and, you know, cause you talked about relationships with people and wanting for this work to be autobiographical. So can you just explore, um, or kind of expand a little bit on the cultural differences or maybe the difficulties that you had, um, that you encountered while you were developing the work? Right. Of course, of course, you know, she's someone who really brings attention to family dynamics and, and sexuality and experimental work, you know? So I immediately thought to myself, if I can take these candid shots and go ahead and show me and these people at our most vulnerable moments, then that's a sensation I want. I really wanted to tell them about me coming out and all of these different parts of myself that I really wouldn't have said if we weren't photographing together. Mm. I think because we were photographing a lot more parts of ourselves were exposed. That's really beautiful to almost lean into photography as um, not necessarily like the only way, but as a way Mm -hmm. to be more vulnerable to your family members, even if they're extended family members. And it's almost like Mm -hmm. bearing a little piece of yourself, especially when it's in front of a camera, because that's, not an easy feat to do. Yeah, right, and exactly. Did, your, um, did you get a chance to show this, this new family album that you've developed to, to your extended family in, in Poland? I have, I have. I ended up making a book and a short film that I shot on Super 8. So <laughs> it, was, it was quite crazy, you know, the reaction um, looking through it because I I didn't exactly share with them that I was going to to include me and my romantic partners and Mm -hmm. the self-portraits I took during the journey. So yeah, I definitely sensed, you know, they could be uncomfortable. It was a new new body of work they'd never seen before and that Mm -hmm. they were included in this. And do they, um, do you you have an idea of how they responded to that kind of that surprised element, I guess you could say, just because you didn't Mm -hmm. reveal it to them? Yeah, (laughs) they were surprised and taken back. But once I told them a little bit more about, you know, my sexuality and Mm -hmm. how I wanted to incorporate that in the work, they they then just thought a little differently about it. And I also remember telling them a little bit about Anita Bartosz, and it definitely helped that, you know, she's someone who's from Poland and and made this work. So... Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And helped. I just feel like that's such a, an amazing um, thing about, about art and even an art practice that it's mm-hmm. not just the final product that can build relationships and build bridges, but even in mm-hmm. the process of doing it and reaching out to people um, and like letting people into the process itself can be 
so um, healing in a certain way. Like obviously it has challenges, but it can be so healing. Um, And I just wonder like whether you felt the same, like was this almost like a healing experience for you as much as it was to share a bit about yourself to your family? Oh, a hundred percent, Jacqueline. I remember when I went to go meet another relative and she was very open-minded when we were photographing together. And it was funny. I mean, we went through the entire family tree and she told me a lot about the females in our history and our family line. And she said, you know, within this work, we're really healing the family female line. Mm, That's so beautiful to hear. Yeah, it felt really powerful with her at that moment. That's amazing. So um, have you been back to Poland or even Prague since, since you're, you're abroad over there? I went back to Prague and I ended up photographing a little bit more, but it didn't exactly feel right for me to continue including that without my mm-hmm. relatives. Mm-hmm. So yeah, maybe once the pandemic is... Um, becomes a little better, I, I can maybe travel over there again. Right. And um, tell me a little bit about the documentary that you had shot on Super 8. Was it an extension of the album or was it, I mean, like, how did you um, create that, I guess? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember when we would take these self-portraits together, me and my distant relatives and also my partners, we almost became began performing in front of the camera. And Mm. I was really interested in um, like ways that we can kind of be uncomfortable and like expand our relationships. So for instance, I remember I wanted us to be silent for a solid 10 to 20 minutes and wrap each other from back to back. And And I know it sounds crazy, but just to see what it would feel like to be in each other's presence and create this new kind of silent dialogue between each other and how comfortable or uncomfortable we felt during that. Oh, it gives me goosebumps to hear you say that because I just like, I'm imagining um, that 10 10 to 20 minutes of silence, like it can be so uncomfortable in the first couple of minutes, but once you really like like let yourself sit in it, you can almost thrive in the silence. So I, for some reason, I just imagined that happening when you were, you know, going through it. Yeah, definitely, definitely. It definitely striked up a lot of emotions between the two of the, you know, between the two of us, whether it was me and my cousin or me and my girlfriend, me and my uncle. It was all extremely different. And yeah, it peaked conversations that I don't think would have ever existed if we didn't experiment with it. Absolutely. And can you um, just like walk me through a little bit? So were the photos and the documentary separate projects? Did you film in between the photos or was it um, done in a way that was almost organic, like you let the camera almost uh, run on its own? Yeah, I let the camera go ahead and do its thing. I had two different tripods set up. So I remember shooting the self-portraits from one angle and then placing the Super 8 camera from another and yeah, and kind of recording them at the same time and, and seeing what would happen from there. So they both became part of the same project. Oh, wow. That's really neat to, to um, have the camera. And I wonder um, in that kind of uh, artistic process, just because I know that when being placed in front of a camera, people tend to tense up. Um, Mm -hmm. It takes a little bit of time to get used to um, feeling comfortable that there is like this 
uh, machine that's watching you almost. Um, how did you break that, that tension, that icebreaker? Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that because um, at first it was, it was just really, really difficult for them to not hide their face. But then I said, okay, if you don't want to show your face, um, let us, let me just shoot from our face down. And so then I kind of warmed them up and the two of us up together because I was also nervous. <laughs> so then I just, I asked if it was okay for me to put a camera on say the left side and one on the right and either film us just eating or walking around the house until finally it became the chance that we would perform together and, you know, sit with each other in silence, for instance. Wow. So, I mean, in, in other words, like you have a lot of B-roll then, like you have a lot of footage and a lot of pictures because mm -hmm. it kind of sounds like you almost had to let the camera sit there for a long period of time before they, you know, before people almost accepted it as like, it's going to be there and, and not to shy, not to be shy in front of it anymore. Yeah, definitely. It's something I noticed too, when I worked with the series about my grandfather I think in, in Poland, especially too, it's, it's really uncommon for you to go ahead and show these private moments. It's, um, it's just something I grew up with. It was really kind of frowned upon. So I think that's one thing I learned from working with my grandfather is to just really let it go until it becomes natural to them. That's beautiful. I mean, it's, it sounds like it's a bit of a, a process and sometimes it could be almost like an obstacle, but it kind of sounds mm -hmm. that when you get past that hump, it, there's just so much reward, not to like capitalize or to use it, you know, in that way, but it, it can be such a, like um, a powerful moment to share once you kind of really um, let loose and, and let go of all those inhibitions. Oh, a hundred percent. And I think that's what I really, I was really striving for too. I wanted to I wanted to really expand on how raw we could be together and how, how raw our relationship was when we weren't staging each other. Can you actually, because um, you mentioned staging and that was one of the questions that like came into my mind when you were talking mm -hmm. about the 10 to 20 minute silence. Um, how do you like, you know, as a photographer um, and, a, and a filmmaker, where do you draw the line between staging a scene versus having it be organic and candid? That's a good question. That's a good question. Just cause like, I feel that, um, and you know, again, this is just something that I'm thinking of now as we're talking, like intimate moments, it almost feels like they're, you know, like when it's staged or let's just say in the, in the worst case scenario, it's like poorly done. It's almost, it's almost like you can see right through it and you can see that it was, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Know, the pieces were put together in a very strategic way. Um, and I don't get that sense at all in any of your, in any of your photos. Um, and I just, I'm almost like intrigued, but also really surprised that you can even capture, like that the possibility to capture intimate moments within a stage setting is possible, if that makes any sense. Like it almost, yeah. you're like, oh, that's so neat that you can allow for um, a guideline, but then mm -hmm. let things unfold within that guideline. Yeah, okay, now that you mentioned it too, um, something that I really, really experimented with was even though we wanted to just go ahead and shoot these candid photos and videos together, I remember looking at the light in the room and looking at the light outside. And even if I say had a, an extra light with me to just 
place that in the room and then and then kind of go from there. I was really interested in how the light worked in the room and within within the process. Mm-hmm. So so that's almost almost like saying kind of because um, I mean I'm just trying to think like when the light comes into the room there is like obviously a set schedule with with the sunrise and the sun falling. Mm -hmm. So there is that guideline, but then letting things happen within the room was something that you probably, it sounds like you carried over um, that metaphor into staging the relation or staging the, the scenes, sorry, with your, with your family member. Yeah, hundred percent. There was this one, one photo in particular that I shot with Anna and I remember the light was coming from the left side. So it would highlight the left side of my face and then keep the rest of it in shadow along with Anna in the back of me. Mm -hmm. um, I just have a, you know, just to divert the conversation for a, a quick second. Um, mm -hmm. I'm really curious to know how this brought you closer to your Polish ancestry and your Polish identity. Do you feel after the trip that, um, I mean, and I don't want to say it in a way that's kind of like superficial, like, oh, I'm closer to, you know, to, to the, the Polish culture, but has there been a deeper connection that's been forged after you've, you did this project? Yeah, it was just, it was so vulnerable. And I think when I was doubting the project or, you know, wondering where it could go, I was, I was mostly concerned about, about me and me being gay and, whether or not I should be ashamed and whether or not I'm, um, I would be accepted in, in the culture. But, you know, I noticed as soon as I did open up to myself and I noticed that I, I do come from this American Polish heritage that, you know, I took enough effort to find them. And because of that, and I opened myself up to that, it definitely seems that our relationship became a lot deeper because it was a lot more raw and it was a lot more true. Mm, I love that. I love that there's almost this um, underline of kind of saying um, when you are vulnerable, it almost leaves space for not necessarily acceptance because I don't, you know, that, that word kind of can get a little tricky, but it leaves mm -hmm. space for honesty and it leaves space for yeah. um, honest relationships to build. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Because if I didn't and I kind of just went ahead to photograph um, say them without me, without making self-portraits, it would just, yeah, it wouldn't feel as authentic and mm. like you said, honest. Right. And it almost sounds like if, if you weren't in the photos, it would have seemed a little almost like voyeuristic, like you're looking at them and not so much yeah. you being with them. Oh, that's so beautiful. Right, right, right. right. Do you have any other artists that you um, referenced or were looking to for inspiration while creating this project? There was another artist, she was from Poland as well. Her name was Joanna Poyarowska, and she was, um, she was really interesting because the way that she was performing with her family members, they were just so striking and, and very bizarre. I mean, I even felt uncomfortable when I would look at them. Hmm. And I remember when I went to the Berlin Biennale when I was abroad, I saw this work of hers that was printed as big as the wall. And I just thought that in of itself was so compelling. And the fact that she can do this and provoke all of these uncomfortable responses from the Polish audience, it definitely said something. Can you describe a little bit about um, the uncomfortable, like a little bit what the 
for example, an image that you encountered in one of her works and you kind of describe a little bit what that image was just so that, um, you know, that, that we can understand where the uncomfortable feeling came from? Yeah, there's this one photo of one of her subjects on her father's lap. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it was an uncommon sight to see uh, a daughter on a man's lap. And in Poland, you know, such, there's such strict boundaries as to how to act and how to be around our family. And when I saw this photo, I was, I was really, I was really surprised. And even though, you know, um, New York is such a diverse place, I never even thought to push those boundaries within family and family dynamics a lot. Mm-hmm. And just out of curiosity, because um, you mentioned that the, the subject was sitting on the father's lap, was the subject an adult um, woman or, or was she a, a younger child, let's say? Yeah, she was an adult woman. Right. Okay. So it, it almost feels like, almost feels like there's a line that's, that could be crossed. Let's just say if, if that, if we were just looking at that photo face, um, just like, you know, point blank. Yeah, exactly. And, her, and the gazes that she photographs in her work, it, it's, there's such a fine line, like you said, between it, and it leaves a lot, a lot of, a lot of room for interpretation for the viewer. Absolutely. And you mentioned that it wasn't staged, right? I find that really, um, almost like, I don't want to say shock value, but there is a bit of a shock value if it's not staged, no? Oh, definitely. And the way she, um, she has her subjects move in, because a lot of them are very uncomfortable and they almost mirror each other. I think that in of itself is, is really bizarre. Yeah, but it sounds like it makes for such um, great conversations and important conversations that need to be had. Like whether you're speaking from the Polish culture or even the American culture, just to be talking about all of those issues of like gays and, um, and dynamic and, you know, even now more than ever, like the patriarchy and all that stuff. So mm-hmm. I almost feel like um, it's imp- like, yeah, it, it's, it's, it wasn't made specifically to shock, but more for uh, conversations to come about. Exactly, exactly. She, ex- I, yeah, I really feel like she's, she expands the dialogue across the board, you know, between Polish and American culture and almost any culture in that way. Absolutely, because it's almost like if we didn't know the artist and we were just looking at the photo itself, it fe- I feel like it speaks to any culture who's almost seeing a grown woman sitting on, on a man's lap. Um, yeah. But um, what are you um, hoping to, I guess, what are the next projects that, projects that you're hoping to do? Are you, are you thinking of going back to Poland to um, develop this family album a little further? Or do you feel like you've kind of wrapped up that part uh, of, of your practice? Well, there's definitely a lot more relatives I can find and explore with, but um, because I'm also part German, we recently discovered an album as well that survived from a fire. And yeah, I don't know. It, it might be interesting if I were to go to Poland and, and say explore Germany in a similar way and and go Absolutely. from there. Absolutely. Just because, I mean, like, 
historically and politically speaking, they've just been countries that were, you know, um, were at one point um, against one another um, yeah. in, in the obvious ways. So I think that would make mm -hmm. for almost like a really, um, again, another kind of vulnerable, but really honest moment that you can explore in your life too. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, a lot of the work that was done back then is very traditional and conservative. So yeah, I really, I really love this whole sense of re-recording the narrative. Mm, yeah, this, um, I have a really good friend who says make history contemporary. So it almost kind of mm. feels like you're, you're doing that, you're making your own family history contemporary. So there's something beautiful in, in the work that you're doing. And also this, like the search that you're, you're um, exploring, you're going on. Oh, thank you, Jacqueline. Yeah, it feels, you know, like what, what can we leave behind and, and what can our, our other family members look back on and I guess distinguish the, what's different between that album and this album. Absolutely. And I guess I'll just ask this one last question before, um, before wrapping it up. Are you hoping for this next project to also be done and, and, and um, to develop it in analog? Or are you possibly thinking about throwing in a little bit of digital in there? Yeah, I mean, I think digital too gives a lot more opportunity and a lot more B-roll as far as just letting the camera go and, and seeing what happens from there. So I would definitely be interested to seeing what would happen if I would use digital, but yeah, as far as analog goes, I think I just, I love experimenting in the dark room and, and using expired paper and kind of, and kind of going from there to see what it would look like to make that album almost resemble each other. Absolutely. I always remember um, my one kind of experience in the dark room. Uh, our, our teacher, Abby, had said, it's like magic when you see the photos <laughs> appear. And I will never forget that because it really did feel like I was the magician <laughs> watching <laughs> the photos come up all of a sudden, uh, you know, under, under this like chemical solution and, and just showing up on paper suddenly. Yeah, exactly. Abby was actually one of one of the professors who who gave me one of her one of her uh, one of her boxes of paper from the seventies, um, and you know I just just remember going back in the dark room, like you said, and seeing that magic happen with with paper from another era. It was it was wild. Oh, that must have been such a thrilling thing to to experience and to just watch kind of unfold kind of before you. Yeah, yeah, like you said, it's definitely magic. Well, thanks so much, Amanda, for, for joining me today and sharing your experience um, and your story about, you know, finding your family members in Poland and, and that time that you really got to um, explore yourself and, and everything. And I wish you all the luck. And I hope that, um, you know, you'll get a chance to do this again with your family in Germany. I think it'd be such an amazing um, kind of part two, almost a second chapter um, in this, in this practice and in this, uh, in this kind of, in this search. Yeah. Thank you so much, Jacqueline. I'm excited to show you and yeah, continue to work on it and see any work as well that you work on from now and in the future. Oh, well, thank you, Amanda. We'll definitely have to connect soon when I'm, uh, when I'm back in New York. <laughs> yeah, definitely. All right. Take care, Jacqueline. You too. Bye. Bye. Thank you.